Blog Talk Radio. He's a good player, a good solid player, but for that young team, 
he'd just be another person on the roster. He wouldn't be effective at all in helping the team build together and, and be confident in themselves to go and try to have a winning season, even though it looks like it won't be. Agreed, agreed. Kurt, what do you think about this? How will this possible trade affect the Atlantic division that's supposedly looking like it's going to be the, it's going to come out to the Knicks and Celtics as of right now? Well, when I, when I first heard about it, it was actually news to me. But I personally believe, I mean, yes, like you said, previously stated, he's a problem child. But we all know Doc Rivers, and Doc Rivers is, a, you know, a no-nonsense kind of coach. And when you look at the Celtics roster, I mean, with with Demar, that's like that's almost like video game caliber. I mean, Demarcus Cousins is a hell of a, a heck of a talent, and you know him shaping up, going with them, and then shaping up against the East. I mean, the Knicks they don't really have. I mean, they 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 have a consistent offense, way better consistent offense than they did last season. But I mean, inside game, I mean, yeah. look, look at look at look at that. I mean, you have you're gonna have Cousins, Garnett. I mean. That right there alone is, and, and then their backcourt is, is going to be pretty solid for Boston. I think if they can solidify this deal, and like he said, you know, get maybe an extra player or you know cash incentives because they're they're going to be other te- other teams and other players involved. But I mean, you might as well hand the the, the you know the crown. The, I would say not hand them the title, but they're gonna they're gonna make a deep run if they can pull this off. And Javon, um, they also are trying to the other player could be Green, the six eleven kid from Syracuse, or he's like mm-hmm. six ten. Dante Green is that his name? Dante Green? Yeah. Yeah, Dante Green. Yeah, his because he was a um I think he was a top ten pick. But his salary would match up well. I think he's like in the final year of his deal or he only has two more years left. So that could be a player that the Celtics are looking for because they want to um try to get a little bit more versatility in the front court, and they want to try to get some size at the small floor position because they are lacking um, bench depth right now. I mean, even though if they get rid of Brandon Bass and um, Courtney Lee and just receive DeMarcus Cousins in return, they will still only be seven-man deep, only a seven-man deep roster. So they're going to have to try to get something back in return and – with Fab Mello injuring himself, walking into a, a door, I can't believe. I don't know how you can get a concussion like that. That's just pretty ridiculous. But he did go to Syracuse, so we can't hold that against him. But it's so hopefully the Celtics can pull this deal off. Um, DeMarcus Cousins would be a huge upgrade at the center position. And then having Chris Wilcox, too, coming off the bench, and hopefully he's going to get healthy within the coming weeks. I, I agree. I think that this move only helps the Celtics. They pick up a big man, which they desperately need to help Kevin Garnett because when was the last time the Celtics have really, in our generation, a dominant center for the longest? They never had that in our generation. So it's, it's good to see. If they can pull off this move, it's good for the Celtics, but it's bad for the Lang division. As we, trans, as we transfer to the Lang division, those Philadelphia 76ers, guys, two and six, on on their road trip, played horrendous. They beat the Lakers and then go and lose to the Suns. What is wrong with this team? They don't they don't have a. I mean, Evan Turner and Drew Holiday are basically the stars of the team, but they don't have a true true closer. Yeah, Drew Holiday can hit big shots here and there, but he's inconsistent sometimes. Evan Turner jump shot has improved, but it's very flat still. 
and they don't seem like, and everyone else is just a stand-around shooter. This is where Bynum would have came in well. He The ball would go down into him, and no one could double because of the amount of shooters that the Sixers have. But as of now, it looks like they're going to be as good as last year, pending Bynum's health, or worse, because they're going to go as far as Bynum needs to take them, and, that's, and they haven't taken them far now. Yeah, yeah, I would have the Andrew Bynum thing, me and Erskine always goes back and forth about this. And then I, and this where you really saw where they needed a big man. They went against a lot of big men during this during this road trip. I mean, they got – I don't know how they got past the Grizzlies with their, with their two dominant twin towers and Mark Gasol and right. Zach Randolph. But then you finally saw this team just wearing down and, and becoming more of a jump-shooting type of team. They don't – they they take a lot of ill-advised shots if you if if I if I say they take a lot of ill-advised shots. It just to me they don't play with any kind of consistency, and you know me being a fan, it's just like it's it's kind of hard to watch. Yeah, Drew Holiday. I mean, he's having a career year, and like he said, you know, Drew and Evan. But other than that, I mean, who can you really depend on? I mean, they had it's like they're hot and cold. You never knew. You never know what you're going to get from anybody. Even you know Jason Richardson at times when he's healthy. And I mean, we don't. They, they used to call it the night shift last year, last season. We don't even have that this season. I mean, to me, nobody. I trust him besides maybe Darrell Wright once every like three games when he wants to show up. And you know, <laughs> Nick Nick Young he. If he could, if he could play more consistent and not try to take over the game and beat Drew Holiday and just play his role, the Sixers would, would have a couple of more wins. Now, I was—I'm not even going to lie—I was shocked when they beat the Lakers. Uh, they did beat Memphis, like you said. Uh, uh, they didn't have Rudy Gay that game, but they, they still pulled out the W. You know, a W is a W, no matter what. But like you said, they're only going to go as far as Andrew Bynum takes them. And right now, Andrew Bynum isn't even on the ship. So, I mean. Right now, I'm going to be honest. I, I would be utterly shocked if the Sixers even make the playoffs. Jermon, do you even really want me to talk about the 76ers? Come on now. Like, <laughs> come on. You, you know so we always no, talk no, about No, 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 because, no. Because you I remember you, when I killed Iguodala and you still no, are yes, from that. You kill, yes, you did kill Iguodala. Now I'm going to educate you because I have to keep educating you with the 76ers organization. They're 26 in points per game. They're 20th in rebound per game. And they're 18th in assists per game. They can't score. They can't rebound. And they hardly pass the ball. Now, I agree with you. Drew Holiday is a talent. And Evan Turner is a talent. But they really don't have a closer. Andrew Bynum would have been would have been the missing piece. But with Andrew Bynum's knees, and I told you that he was not going to be able to play this season, and it's not looking like he's going to be able to play. So, how are you, why are you going to be surprised? This is a jump shooter. This is a, they live and die by the three ball. Doug Collins, he is a he is a good coach, but he's not a great coach. There's nothing you can really do with this roster. They have a lot of jump shooters. Therefore, they have no one that can dump the ball in the paint and get some easy baskets. I'm not okay, first, so are you saying are you saying that are you saying when uh when not to cut you off, but are you saying when if and when Bynum comes back, if he's still a sixer? How how would the outlook of this team change, in your opinion? Okay, in my opinion, and I don't know how you guys want to feel about this, but having Andrew Bynum at 100% is 
it's going to give those three-point shooters open shots. It's going to give a lot of those shooters, it's going to make their, their offensive game easier. And defensively will also help them because of Andrew Bynum's um, length and his ability to rebound the basketball. And it's also going to help them trying to get start their fast breaks because of his outlet passes. And he's fantastic at that. I think if Andrew Bynum was healthy, the 76ers would probably be around the fifth seed right now. They would probably be a few games over 500. Everyone started pretty lackadaisical at the start of the season. But you being a 76ers fan and an analyst, you can see that the 76ers don't have a person that they can throw the ball into and get those easy buckets. Therefore, they have to put a lot of stress on Drew Holiday and Evan Turner. And these are two guys who are young, and they really haven't developed an outside jump shot yet and a mid-range game. Therefore, you live and die by the jumper. And in most cases, you can't survive that way in the NBA. I have a I have an issue with Sixers team, and it and it really irks me when not more Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday had the turnover. But he's been more the most consistent player on this team he next to Dad. But the player that really irks me is Evan Turner. Evan Turner can go out against the Lakers and put up 22 points and 13 rebounds, but then the next night versus the Suns and not show up. He's an inconsistent player, and I would not be opposed to trading him. Well, a lot of teams will love him. I know that much. And as I always say as a, as a Sixers fan is that people who used to play for this team, they go on to other teams and excel. And that has something to do with the organization and yep. the system that, that they're in because Willie Green, starting for the Clippers, who's top two team in the, in the NBA. Uh, Kyle Korver hitting more consistent shots for the for the Bulls in a few years ago and now in the Hawks. Andre Iguodala is playing a role in as the Nuggets wingman instead of as a star, and he's he's progressing. He's doing what he's been doing his whole career. It's just not in the spotlight. So a lot of right. people that play for the Sixers and go on to other teams and do well. It's just the Sixers are not are not the team they were when they had AI. They need somebody that can fill that spotlight and just do everything for the team and just need role players because the Sixers have top-quality role players. They just need that one man that'll be what AI was for his tenure as a Sixer. And Bynum could be, but his health has always been an issue, and no one knows if he's ever going to be fully healthy. The only thing we know about Andrew Bynum is what kind of hairstyle he has to every game, and that's different all the time. Okay, now you're taking shots at Andrew Bynum. He can't defend himself. He can't even get out of his own bed. But he can get into, he can get into a lot of those sports cars, and that's why he keeps getting his knees messed up. But that's yeah, true. <laughs> I, can't, I can't talk. But I have to ask you all this question. If the L.A. Lakers, let's say the L.A. Lakers traded Talcus Hall to the 76ers, let's just say, hypothetically, you give them a couple, you give them some pieces. They, I would think that would be a player that the Philadelphia 76ers should inquire about because they need somebody down low in the post that can give them some points in the paint. I, I think that's just the missing piece. You just need somebody who can give you some points in the paint. And you, and I think, and Javon, like, I know you don't like Evan Turner. I know you don't. 
But I think if you move Evan Turner to the two instead of playing him at the three and putting a, maybe starting Darrell Wright, who I love, start Darrell Wright there and let Evan Turner go to work at the two-guard position. That's an option. I mean, Paul Gasol hasn't had that's the years he's been on and all. We saw the Lakers, talking about the Lakers and Gasol, we saw the Lakers on Friday night play the Clippers, and it wasn't pretty for the most part. Basically, it had to depend on Kobe to bring them back. But would Paul Gasol help this team push forward? Or would he just be a piece that they just stabilize? Like, like it's basically like a running year player. We run a player, here you go, come here, this is what happens. Or is you going to get that player that supposedly Andrew Bynum is that player that's supposed to push you forward, but he's not because he's not ready yet, even though we all thought he was, but he's not. So do you, is, 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 is is the possibility of trading for Paul Gasol an option as a, as a push, just a runner player? I don't think so because um, this Paul Gasol is going to be, in the Lakers' eyes, a high, a valuable player in He's not that valuable player he once was because he's older. His knee, he's showing weakness in his knees, and like you said before, he's having an up and down season. Uh, it's only because of the systems he's in, but still, you're an NBA player, and you know you're not supposed to be shooting threes. You're more effective in the post, even though the system says stand out and be a shooter. He was wide open for most of those threes, and he could have took a couple dribbles to get in or posted the guy up here and there you're still to have to play the game. And playing for the Sixers, the Sixers aren't going to give up their nucleus or a lot of those young players for uh, Agent Pau Gasol. Yeah, it would be nice to get a post guy to fill in for Bynum, but to give up most of your talent is, is just going to just hurt them in the long run. Yeah, and we and we saw that. And I, and I, wrote, I, I wrote up something today talking about are the Sixers – did they give up too quickly on Nick Vucevic? And we are seeing what Nick Vucevic is doing down in Orlando. This man is posting a double-double with 11 points and 10 rebounds and had one of his best games probably in his career so far against the Miami Heat with 20 points and 29 rebounds. He would so help the Sixers at this point because you got Spencer Halls, you got Lavoy Island. No disrespect, Lavoy as a second-round pick has done his thing. I give him that credit. But you have Lavoy Island, you have Kwame Brown, and Stephen Kwame. A. Smith, like, yeah, Kwame Brown, you know. Just, don't even don't even mention his name. Like. <laughs> he's still in the NBA because he was the number one pick. That's the only reason he's still in the NBA. The only reason, and then the Sixers, which Kurt had a little incident on Facebook with a couple of his friends breaking out in a little fight. On <laughs> we have Arnett Moultrie now coming up to the Sixers after Malik Wayans was waived by the Philadelphia Sixers, and he will have the Sixers will have the option of resigning him to a 10-day deal after he clears waivers, but not, but not immediately clear if they'll do so or look somewhere else. So Wayans has the opportunity to come back, but he's gone. Sixers bring up Moultrie because they see the pressing need of the big man, which is really killing them. I mean, when you look at this team as a whole, I think they – I mean – Besides Drew and Evan, guard-wise, when, say if Drew's having a bad game, who honestly can you call off the bench to come in and, you know, manage the floor? 
I mean, Royal, obviously, to a degree, but you've seen it if you watch the game. When, when, when Evan has the ball and he's, you know, running the point, he has no idea what he's doing. I mean, <laughs> like, unless this is like, and I love Evan Turner. You know, I'm a big Evan Turner fan. I've been a big Evan Turner fan. I was hyped when the Sixers drafted him over uh, DeMarcus Cousins. But at the same time, it's like he had, he is a number two pick and he has to step up. Now, Malik Wayne, I mean, everybody's, everybody in Philadelphia is going to, you know, have a little sour taste in their mouth because he's a Philly boy. He was born here. He played at Villanova. Like uh, Jovan said, he should have stayed at Nova for one, for, his, for one more season, you know, to polish his skills. And I think, you know, if the Sixers don't sign, re-sign him, you know, send him to the D-League. Let him polish himself up. I like Arnett Moultrie. He has a lot of potential. I was actually hyped on this trade when I, when I heard about it. I over the summer, I, I I really like his game, and I seen him, one time I did see him play. I was live at the uh, the Timberwolves game, and he, you know, he he has a little, you know, he has a good post moves. He he can be dominant if you know he if he if we put him in the correct role and he develops into the player I think he can be. Malik Wayne is the same thing. He has speed. He can manage the ball. He has a good jump shot. Not consistent, but when he's open, it can go down. Agreed, agreed, agreed. So in the NBA right now, the in the NBA right now, tonight's games, Memphis beat Phoenix, OKC beats Toronto, no shock there. Miami destroys Washington ninety nine to seventy one in a in a in a blowout and Charlotte beats Detroit. And right now the Lakers are losing by five right now with fourteen seconds left in the third quarter to the Nuggets eighty eight eighty three. But since this is a new year, twenty thirteen, we're getting very much closer to the NBA playoffs and and we're getting close to the All Star game. Which teams? What is what teams in the NBA do you see making a run to the NBA playoffs? We can start in the Eastern Conference first. Kurt, let's start with you. Uh, well, of course Miami, of course New York, but one team I really like that a lot of people don't talk about that they aren't talking about. I like the Atlanta Hawks. They're you know uh, people don't know that well. You guys may know this because you follow it in depth, but Larry Drew was just named coach of the month last season. I mean, uh, last month in December. So, you know, they're playing some really good basketball. And the Atlanta Hawks, they always play good basketball, but they're always that team where, you know, they're not, they're always teeter tottering. They're not really good. They're not really bad. They're just kind of in between. But I think this season, like you said, with Kyle Corver, he's playing consistent minutes and, you know, hitting, hitting shots. I feel as though they're, they're one team in the East to watch. Also, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, of course, you know. Uh, and I want, I want, as a fan, I gotta include the number eight seed. I'm gonna just throw it out there: the Sixers, by the grit of their teeth. Because I mean, it's Philly. We can say what you want about the Sixers, but they always, they always find a way. They're always on the brink when it comes to playoff time. They always play tough. So if I had to throw in the number eight seed, you know, I'd give it to the Sixers. All right, Erskine, who you got? Well, I hear what you're saying with the Philadelphia 76ers, but no, I'll just throw them in. Okay, fine. So Philadelphia 76ers get in um, at the AC, but um, you know, of course you have Miami, and then you have the New York Knicks. But like, I'm not trying to be a homer, but if the Boston Celtics are able to acquire Cousins, then I think they can make a run in the NBA playoffs. Um, the Brooklyn Nets. I think have – well, I don't think the Brooklyn Nets can go that far anymore because of – after the whole Avery Johnson situation, I really just don't believe in Prokhorov's 
I just don't believe in what he's trying to what he's trying to accomplish there in Brooklyn. And I just don't think Dan Williams has lived up to that big contract that he signed this off season. So I'm thinking it's just gonna be down between the Miami Heat, um, the Knicks and the Boston Celtics. And to tell you the truth, I don't even know if I can have that much confidence in the New York Knicks because I don't know if you guys have watched these games. I know you have, but since Amari Stoudemire has come back, this offense has not been the same. He's just messing up the whole flow. Hopefully Woodson can work his magic and try to get Amari Stoudemire in with what he's trying to teach to these guys, but I just don't see it. I do not see it at all. Exactly, exactly. And Ryan, who you got? Well, obviously everybody knows the Heat. You have the Knicks. The Nets will fall off. They will make the playoffs. I give them as high as five on the strength that Darren Williams is a superstar and Joe Johnson has big game talent in him. Then you have, well, I want to go back to the Knicks for one second. Amari Stoudemire is still rusty, and one big point that they haven't had in this stretch with Amari Stoudemire is one of his best friends on the court, as that I say, because and Raymond Felton, because when he was there before they traded for Melo, him and Felton had such great chemistry on the court. The pick and roll was flowing. Amari was happy. Everyone in the Knicks organization was happy. They were winning games. Raymond Felton was playing like he was in the beginning of the season, scoring 20 points here, hitting big shots. So once once Felton comes back, then we can really evaluate how Amari is in this system because they do have a lot of motion in that system and, it's not going to be a lot of mellow standing around while everybody watch. But as but wait, far as sleep, but wait, right. let me just ask you this quick question, though. Let me ask you this quick question. I just have mm-hmm. just just real quick. Now, with Amari Stoudemire in that offense, and you have Tyson Chandler at the five, and you got Amari at the four. Depending on how you use Amari, but if you have Tyson Amari, and then you have Carmelo, and then whoever you have the two, and then you have Raymond Felton, don't you think having Amari at the four position is going to take up? The, um, the lanes, is, don't you think he's going to clog up the lanes because he's going to be trying to post up or do, or you, he, can, he can possibly do the pick, I mean, pick and pop, but I just think he's going to clog up the lane for Carmelo Anthony and Raymond Felton. That's true to an extent because you can you can run him at the high post like they did Tyson, but run Amari with the pick and rolls with Melo, and there's no way to stop that if you run it effectively, and then you can run it with Raymond Felton and Amari and switch off hand-in-hand, it will be clogged in the lane for the point where Melo can't roam the high post as much as he wants or the low post, but Amari can hit the 15-footer where he can run the pick-and-pop, and he can roll to the basket effectively still. And they can still, if if the uh, center helps off with Tyson Chandler, Raymond Felton has shown that he can throw that alley-oop to Tyson and then be effective with that as well. They just have to continue to move. And if they want, they can run the pick and roll with Melo and Amari and have Stoudemire, I mean, not Stoudemire, uh, Felton and Kidd on the wings waiting to hit the hit the three-pointer and, and Tyson Chandler waiting for the oop. They can run the same system they've been running in the beginning of the year. And Stoudemire said he was okay with coming off the bench. So maybe play them sometimes together, but start Melo with the regular five at the and start him at the four and then bring Amari in and let him be the center of attention and just play it that way. And then sometimes play them together. If he's okay with that, be content with that. 
they can be effective with that. If he's okay no, with no, it. No, no, you think he's going to be content with it? Like, do you think he's really going to, like, buy into that? It, it, that's, the, that's the thing. We won't know unless it works. Unless they try it, we won't know. And then that's why I can't, like, totally evaluate this team unless everyone's there. And I'm, I'm going to wait till Felton get back before I have a complete opinion on how they will go into the playoffs, if they will be a true contender or not. Because him and Felton have a great chemistry, and maybe that will help them be content with coming off the bench. Because Felton plays a lot of minutes with the second unit as well as the first unit. So, we won't know until then. All right. We got 90 seconds left in the show. I'm surprised nobody didn't bring up this one team, the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are playing basketball yeah, I right yeah, now. Yeah, I was, I was actually going to say that when I got another chance. I meant, <laughs> to, I meant to bring up the Chicago Bulls as well when they get their rules back because they've been playing. They lead the division right now, and when he comes back healthy, they probably can make a run, in, a deep run in the playoffs as well. That is true. The the Bucks, the Bulls, that central division is going to be an interesting one. And the Pacers. So you got all those three teams just sitting up there in the, in the central. That's going to be a good one. But we have 60 seconds left on the show. It's like thank everybody for listening to the East-West Hoop Sloop here on Block Talk Radio. Greg Crawford will we'll be back next week to talk college hoops and pro hoops. But as we about to go off tonight, just leave, just leave me with this for Greg, who's, who's from Oregon. Adam Schefter is reporting that head coach Chip Kelly will return to Oregon. So oh, why do you have to say that? I just, <laughs> I just heard it. I'm like, oh, don't mention it. Don't mention it. Bulls uh. fans and Browns fans, Chip Kelly is staying. Look like Phil Knight won it all over and won it and Kelly back in Oregon. But that will end the show now. I want to thank Erskine Hines, Curtis Jenkins, and Ryan Rush for joining me tonight here on the on the East West Hoop Sloop. Thanks for everybody for listening. We'll be back next Sunday, same time, with me and Greg Crawford at 11 p.m. Everybody, thanks for listening. Thank you. Yo, Javon.